أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله والصحب أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته I'd like to thank uh, the hosts uh, Al-Fatih and the team to invite me here and it's a pleasure to be among you all. It's very um, it's a very nice feeling to see you young kids uh, coming on a weekend here to study a little bit about Islam, mashallah, it's very good. Uh, so keep it up, it's, uh, it's a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that in the, in the day and age we live in, that you have some uh, interest or curiosity to learn more about Islam. Hopefully, your parents aren't forcing you to be here. But uh, inshallah, today's topic is uh, quite interesting. And I'd like to give a disclaimer for those of you who are young. Because, uh, you know, people might be even watching this online uh, or listening to it. It is PG-13, so if you're, you know below 13 then you need a parent's guidance to listen to this or watch this otherwise I was told that all of you are old enough to discuss this topic of uh, LGBTQ and there is a plus in front of it which means there is more also to come so why is the topic important question first of all how many of you know personally someone who is uh, who comes under this category of LGBTQ personally, someone who is in your circle? Yes, usually when I ask this question, there's just a three or four, like it's a minority. Okay, so that's the first point. Is that in uh, our part of the world, alhamdulillah, being in a Muslim country, it's not really that common still. And uh, this is more of a problem in the West. And that's why we shouldn't panic too much. Okay, yes, it's good to be informed, it's good to be prepared, but uh, it's not that big of a deal, alhamdulillah, in our Muslim societies. Um, and uh, it is more of a problem that the West is dealing with. But because the world is more open now, there is internet, there is social media, you're getting exposed to all sorts of information. It's very important for us to be aware and for us to be prepared because there's a active movement internationally to uh, spread certain values that may be relevant in the West, but they're not relevant to us. So it's very important for us to distinguish between haq and what's the opposite of haq? Ah, in the Quran, haq and batil. Okay, truth is haq, batil is falsehood. So it's very important for us to distinguish the uh, from the, the falsehood, falsehood from the truth. And it's good to be prepared, it's good to have knowledge. So, what does LGBTQ, all of you know what it means, right? And what it stands for. You can do a quick Google search and you will understand what it is. Um, but I just wanted to briefly touch over what the objectives of Sharia or the objectives of our law are. And if you know what what they are, there are five objectives of Sharia. Sharia means everything that's halal and haram, all the rules, of, all the do's and don'ts of Islam. They all have an objective. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't make it haram just like that. There's an objective behind it. 
Everything that Allah made obligatory, there is an objective behind it. Have you guys studied this? Objectives of Sharia? No? So for example, uh, so, so there's five objectives, right? For example, one objective is the protection of your mind. So guess what Allah made haram to protect your mind? There's one thing that messes up with your mind. So Yes? Kind of music, maybe to the extent where it can be harmful, yes? Alcohol, Alcohol, thank you. So alcohol is a big haram uh, component of messing up with the mind. That's why the objective of making alcohol haram is what? To preserve the mind. So all maqasid are there for the protection or the preservation of, of our something to do with our life. So to preserve the mind, we have the prohibition of alcohol. Similarly, why is um, cheating and gambling and even riba, why is this haram, do you think? To protect what? Yes? The heart? No, so all of them have to deal with uh, money, right? So financial fraud, stealing, riba. Why did... Protection of your wealth, basically. Yeah? So Allah wants to preserve your wealth. That's why He's put all those do's and don'ts. So there's protection of deen as well. That's why you got to pray. Uh, protection of your life. That's why it's haram to kill someone or it's haram to commit suicide. Why? Because Allah wants you to protect your life. That's why we're supposed to not eat pork because it harms your life. Okay? So Allah wants you to preserve your life. Uh, we talked about the mind and the intellect. But there's also hafth of your progeny and family lineage. This is another objective of Sharia. And so that's, this is where the LGBTQ topic comes in and to fill. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put some ro- uh, rules and regulations in terms of our interaction with the opposite gender. The concept of uh, hijab for the women, the mod- dressing modestly, lowering the gaze for both females and males. Allah also talked about mixing. Who are we supposed to, who, who the sisters can remove the hijab in front of? Who they can, who they're allowed to, who you're allowed to marry, who you're not allowed to marry, the rules of engagement when it comes to marriage. Okay, what is haram? What is halal? Girlfriend, boyfriend, why is it not allowed? Right. So all these things are there to preserve what family and progeny and lineage. Okay. So the objective behind it is something beautiful. Allah wants society to prosper, and Allah created us, and He knows exactly how what will make this society prosper and what will harm it it's like a manual that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us he said follow these rules and regulations and everything will be working fine but if you decide not to follow it then there will be problems they will be, just like in school when there is no teacher or no principal or, or no rules what happens in school chaos. chaos exactly if there's no if the traffic lights are not working and there's no policeman uh, on the road and there's no cameras what's going to happen on the roads chaos right so the opposite of think of opposite of law and order is chaos would you, live, would you prefer to live in a world of chaos or law and order law and order is necessary for humanity to prosper and so there's uh, like we said five maqasid of sharia how many good the first one preservation of your religion why is religion something precious what, don't you want to preserve something that's precious? Yes. yes? So that's why Allah wants you to preserve your religion. Number two, preservation of? Life. Is your life precious? Yes. Do you want to preserve it? Yes. Number three, preservation of? Yes. Your intellect, is your intellect precious for you? Yes. 
Is it valuable? Don't you want to protect it? So stay away from all intoxicants. Stay away from useless entertainment that pollutes and corrupts your mind. Stay away from useless and and, uh, filthy music because it corrupts your mind. You see how everything that's haram, there's an objective behind it. What was number four? Preservation of? Family. Is your family and your lineage and your haya and your modesty, is it important? Is it valuable? And so Allah put laws and orders to preserve this because Allah loves you. And everything uh, to, to deal with every sensitive area of your life, Allah has given you certain rules and regulations to preserve this for you. And then lastly, preservation of? Is wealth precious? Yes. We all want to preserve it. So you see the beauty behind it? So why have I highlighted the family and progeny? Because today's topic is talking about that. Now, when it comes to this topic, there's two extremes. Okay, and remember, Allah told us that we are the extreme nation or the middle nation. And verily, we have made you the middle nation. We're always balanced, we're middle. On one extreme, you have people who are very angry with these LGBTQ movement and people, and they curse them, and they want them all to be destroyed, and they all want them to burn in hell. Do we want to have that view? You have to be careful, okay? And then on the other extreme, we have also people who are like, no, it's okay, we're in a modern world now, and everyone has the freedom of choice, and let people do what they please to, because you only live once, and we have to be very kind and caring, and is that also another extreme you see out there? Yes or no? So we want to be in the, in the middle, and that's what this talk is about is how can we be not so flexible about it and how can we not be so upset and angry and extremist about it on the other spectrum, okay? Do you see both extremes in society? Yes. So there's going to be two talks to this talk. The first talk we're going to be talking about the sexual identity disorder. That's what it is, right? It's a disorder. What's the opposite of disorder? Order. Order, okay? When you have some disorder in your sexuality, that's where things can become complicated. So that's the first part. And the second part, we're going to be talking about the concept called fahisha. What's it called? Fahisha are basically indecent sexual activities that you take that the Quran categorizes as fahisha or fuhsh. It's any sort of uh, indecent practice uh, to do with your sexuality, mainly. Okay? Um, so let's talk about the first category. The first category we said, or the first topic is sexual identity disorder. And this is actually categorized under ibtila. Ca- categorized under what? What is ibtila? Trial, trial and tribulation. Okay. And uh, does Allah make all of us go through trials in life? Yes. Of course, right? Allah will test us in different ways. And some people are tested with what's known as a born condition called, um, and the term for it in the, in the fiqh, Islamic fiqh, is called al-khuntha. Khuntha. You can actually read this in the Islamic fiqh books. A khuntha is someone who's born with either two genitals, two sexual organs simultaneously, or maybe one is more prevalent than the other, or maybe the other is more prevalent than the... So there's no, you cannot definitely... Sometimes you can't call them male or female because it's confusing because there's 
Because how do you distinguish between male and female when a child is born? It's the sexual organ. So some people are born with like a deformity. They're born with that. So is it a test or no? Yes, it's not in their hands. So Allah decides to test. Is there a wisdom behind all the tests that Allah gives us? Just because He tests us, does it make Him evil in any way? Astaghfirullah? No, because who is the king of the kings? And can He do whatever He wants? Can we complain about it? Do we have any right to complain? Do we have any right to argue? Do we have any right to accuse him of being evil? Ma'adullah? No. Because everything he does, he does with love, he does with wisdom. There is some hikmah, some wisdom behind it. Will we understand it fully? Maybe. Maybe not. Most probably not. Because we are given full knowledge or limited knowledge? Limited. limited. But we have to trust that this test is there for a reason. So some people are, some people are born with this condition. And uh, the English term for that is hermaphrodite. Okay, a person having both female and male sexual organs and, and uh, genital issues. Sometimes it's discernible, sometimes it's not. What does discernible mean? You can actually tell if it's a male or female. Sometimes it's not, it's confusing. And they're born with it. Now these people, they're, because they're born with it, can we blame them for having that condition? No, it wouldn't be fair. Okay, Do they have to be... Do they have the right to be respected and honored in society? Yes. Of course. It's like someone not born with like one leg. Or someone born blind or someone born deaf. Do we have people like that in society? Yes. How do we respond to them? How do we deal with them? With mercy and compassion or with uh, hatred and uh, mercy disrespect? And mercy and compassion. So similarly, this category also deserves to be dealt with with compassion and mercy. Unfortunately, how does society deal with them? Badly, right? We, we bully them, we disrespect them, we think that they are not normal human beings. Is that, is that Islamically correct? Culturally, they are seen as second-class citizens, they are seen as um, weirdos, disgusting and they're sidelined from society. Do you agree with that or no? Yes, it's not it's it's a reality but we have to be very very clear about it. So they have to be honored and respected but we also have to support them. Do they need our support? They're they're slightly disabled, okay? They have some issue that's the you know, they're born with it but they have to also be helped. And so can, they can be helped through medical surgery sometimes, through therapy for them to understand which role they need to choose. Because as they grow older, they will have to decide whether they're a male or a female, right or no? Based on, of course, their, their condition and based on what medically can be possible. But there are people, have you heard of this concept? Have you heard of someone who's been through this? No, because it's very rare. It's very, very rare in our part of the world. And usually it's a, it's a, it's a hush, hush topic. Nobody talks about it much. But this is a reality that exists there. Okay? Now the second type of category is what uh, the transsexual is called. Okay? Someone who goes through a gender change based on, not nature, but nurture. What's the difference between nature and nurture? Nature, nature you're born with it. It's naturally, you're born with it. And, and nurture is? With time, you'd start developing this. Okay? So this can... 
And this is usually more psychological, based on your upbringing, based on your childhood. Some people go through a lot of uh, trauma during their early years. Maybe the parents are abusing the children. Maybe friends at school are bullying the children. Maybe they've been raised around helpers, but the parents are busy with work, and so they're neglected. They don't get, children don't get the attention they need. They don't get the compassion they need. They don't get the support that they need. And so therefore, there's a psychological imbalance that happens. And sometimes this affects our hormones. And then the child basically starts, he's a boy, but he starts acting like a girl. Or he prefers to be a girl. Or a girl is grown up, but they call them tomboys. They like to be like guys. Okay? So we have both. Uh, we have some guys who start speaking like girls, and they start walking like girls, and... Have you, have you seen that in society? Yes or no? Yes. So, what we're trying to say is whether it's nature or nurture, we don't know because this is a private matter, right? But, even in this case, can we fully blame them for having this condition? No. What do you think? No. They were children. They were brought up with this uh, upbringing. Was it their fault? No, right? They are now in a state where they're maybe 13, 14, 15 year old and they're having this uh, crisis. So they still have to be honored and respected because why? Because Allah has respected all of the children of Adam. وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي Adam, And we have verily honored all of the children of Adam. Okay, so all of Allah's creation deserve respect and honor. Okay? Yes, they have a sickness or a disease or a problem in their mental or sexual capacity. Yes, they need help. They need to be supported and helped. Not bullied and not made fun of and not uh, judged. Do you understand this? The Quranic approach and the Prophet's approach was always to help the needy and to help people who are in need of support. Okay? So in this case, we have to support them also with therapy and medicine. And by the way, a lot of these cases, with the proper medication and proper therapy, they actually become normal. Okay, But who needs to support them? First of all, parents need to support them. Second, you as their friends, as their cousins, whatever your role is in society, you also need to support them if you come across this. Okay. By the way, if you have any questions, feel free to let me know. But so far, so good? Yes? Now, in both cases, that's why this is in big bold. Just so that you don't uh, misinterpret what I'm trying to say. In both cases, are these two categories, whether you are born with it, the hermaphrodite, or whether you have been nurtured into it, into this sexual confusion, are you both li responsible in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to obey His laws and commands? Yes or no? Yes, yes of course. Okay, We're all supposed to accept this role of being servants of Allah, slaves of Allah, Abdullah, right? We are Ibadullah, and so therefore, you come under the responsibility. Just because you're born with some sexual, you know, identity crisis, or you're, you're struggling with this confusion and doubt, doesn't give you any excuse to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has certain rules and regulations, you need to follow them, okay? So, the law still applies to them. They have temptations that may be weird, but they still have to what? Obey Allah. Obey Allah and control their temptations. Yes or no? 
Okay? So, that, so that's a very important point here. Yes, we have to honor them and respect them and help them. And they are still responsible in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? So that's the balanced approach here. Okay? You're not, you're not exiling that, them from, from society and, and being extremist about them and they have to all be burnt and destroyed. Nor are you saying, no, let them, let them live their life. It's okay. No, we, we're in the middle and we want to play a respectful role with that. We want to be supportive. And at the same time, we want to respect Allah's laws and Allah's commands to make sure that they are following those commands. You know, if they are true slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, when it comes to sexuality, a very important question to ask is, who are you? Are you a slave of Allah or are you, or do you want to choose to be a, a, live a life where you are just free to do whatever you want? Are you worshipping Allah or are you worshipping yourself, your nafs, your shahawat, your temptations, your desires? This is a question all of us need to ask ourselves. Because if you obey Allah then, you have to control your temptations. But if you obey your, and if you worship your own desires then, will you have any reason to stop and control your desires? No, right? So that's, that's a very, very big question to ask ourselves. Do you want... The, the life of temptation and desire which Allah calls the dunya al-hayatu dunya the low life just like animals you know just you eat whatever you want you drink whatever you want you see whatever you want you watch whatever you want you listen to whatever you want and you do whatever you want you do whatever you please is that the life of a slave of Allah? no, no. here uh, when you are someone who lives for akhirah not for dunya then you are constantly asking this question what can I do to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What can I do to purify myself, myself more? What can I do to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What can I do to satisfy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So it's a two, two completely different ways of life. Two completely different attitudes. Okay? And it's very important in this topic of LGBTQ because you have to decide, are you someone who wants to just be part of dunya, following the dunya or you want akhirah? What do you want? Because... A lot of people in the West, they talk about this topic of LGBTQ under the name of freedom of choice, under the name of human right. It's my human right to choose my sexuality and my, my sexual activities. Fine, if you, want, if you want to be a slave of yourself and you don't have any deen, you don't have any, or you have a deen, but your deen is about satisfying your desires, then fine. Lekum deenukum waliya deen. Right? We as Muslims, we have a deen, we have a way of life. We see, we see life in a, in a different way. But they also have a deen. And their deen is following your temptations, following your desires, no rules, no regulations, total freedom to do whatever I want, whether I want to do it with a guy or a girl or with an animal or with my mother or my sister. There is no limits. And some of you are laughing, but this is a reality today. This has become a reality and, and very soon you will see disgusting things coming out like incest being allowed and even um, sexuality with animals and sexuality with even astaghfirullah um, children which is called pedophilia, right? Because some people have that sick approach of uh, being attracted to very young, young children. And so this will be coming up. Why? Because there is no... There's no Allah in their life. There's no deen 
They don't have Islam, right? When you don't have Islam, you don't have boundaries. But when you don't have boundaries, then shaitan has a party. He can come up with all sorts of disgusting ideas and they will follow. Because Allah says in the Quran, some people, They will be like cattle. In fact, they will be even worse. Why? Because they have no deen. Their deen is something else. Our deen is something else. And that's what Surah Al-Kafirun is about. That's what we say to them. Why do I choose not to practice this or to think this way? It's because I have a different deen than yours. Your deen allows you to do that. To do that. My deen doesn't. And remember, Islam is the path of excellence. It's the path of ihsan. We have the perfect way of life. And humanity needs to learn from this. And this is the time for, for us as Muslims to show the world how beautiful our deen is. And how even these rules and regulations are there for the benefit of humanity. And that only under these rules and regulations do societies prosper, do families harmonize, and you know, there's no social evil in the, in the world. But Muslims need to be that example. Do you agree or no? Yes. yes and the world is desperate. More than ever today, the world is desperate to find a solution for how to live a good life. They don't know. We know because we have the deen. But we need to first apply it and then the world will see for themselves. We, need to, we don't need to preach it much. They will see through our example. How our families are slow, so close, how you know, the husband respects the wife, parents and children have such a close relationship. There's respect between siblings. We, we know the limits in society. Yes, you have maybe we live in a co- uh, co-education society where you're mixing constantly with the opposite gender and but you know your limits you know what you can do what you can't do there is that understanding the world needs this model so very important also to to bring some uh, important red lines there are certain red lines now in this topic the first one is where the Prophet ﷺ has told us that he has uh, curse the men and who copy women and the women who copy men. So that for us is a yani, clear-cut guideline that even if you have these, these feelings inside of you, even if you have these thoughts and feelings, guess what? Can you act upon them? No, no you have to hold back. Okay? You can't change the way you dress. You can't imitate the opposite gender because this creates a fitna in society. What does it create? What is a fitna? Trial. Kind of like a trial or it confuses people. It it's, it's opens a door for more harm than benefit. Okay? And we try to, in Islam, always close the harm for society. Okay? So you have this problem because again, who's going to be listening to this talk? People like yourselves who are just, who are not Tested with this issue, but you are interested to know more about it. You, you want to know how to deal with it. You want to know, you, you want to answer all the questions you have. But there are also people who are inflicted with this that will be listening to this. There will be parents who have children who are inflicted with this. They'll be listening to this talk also. So I'm trying to address all the different audiences. So just because you have this tendency or this inclination, you cannot act upon it by copying the opposite gender. Is that clear? Yes. Very clear for us, okay? Um, so like clothes and makeup and accessory, you can't. You have the inclination, what do you have to do? Jihadun nafs. What is jihadun nafs? 
struggle against your nafs. Okay? Say no to your nafs. And uh, and the Sahaba used to say that this is the jihadul akbar. This is the bigger jihad. You know, they used to go and fight in the battles, and then as they would come back to their hometown, they would say that we are coming back from the jihad al asghar to the jihad al akbar. So for them, the battlefield was the the minor jihad and the major jihad or struggle, because jihad means struggle. For them, the battlefield was minor. What's the major jihad? Struggling against your own desires and temptations. Not easy. Very, very difficult. Okay? So, in fact, in Sira we learned that there were some members of society, their names are even mentioned, Heat, Mata, Hadam, and Anno. They were men who were basically... Uh, they had no inclination to women, you know, and they were born with that uh, from ch- from uh, from birth, and they were allowed for some time to mix completely normally with women because uh, in the Quran, Allah, one of the categories that women are allowed to mix with openly is ulil irba, people who have no more shahwa, no more desire left, and so these. These individuals were categorized under that and they were allowed to mix and completely mix with uh, women. Until one of them decided to start dressing like women and when Allah, the Prophet ﷺ heard about this, what did he do? Immediately they were exiled out of society. Why? Because now they had something natural in them but they acted upon it with a violation of the law. Yes or no? And there's no flexibility in the violation of the law. So the Prophet immediately exiled them. And in another case also, one of, them, one of these uh, hermaphrodites who were mixing with the women, they exposed one of the secrets of the women. When the Prophet heard about this, he immediately exiled them. Okay, so what we're trying to say, against, again, there's balance, right? Yes, if you're born with it, in this case, these four were born with it, the hermaphrodites. Yes, they have that disability, but this not, does not give them the green light to break the law or to violate the law. Okay, When it comes to dressing like uh, them, when it comes to dressing up, dressing up like women, makeup, accessories and all of that. So now let's talk about the second uh, aspect of the talk is this concept of fahisha. Fahisha. Indecent sexual practice. Yes. Yes. So, like, that's fine, yeah, because that's, I mean, they have to choose a gender, right, to function in society. That's absolutely fine. But once you make the choice, khalas, you're, you ha- they have to do a surgical operation on you to make sure that your organs are also fixed, and uh, then you choose, you dress like that, and you, yeah, so exactly. That's completely fine, yeah. What about if they're like pretty women or pretty men, but they have like one particular part that's male or female? Uh, you mean um, uh, from, a, uh, from their organs perspective? Okay. So do they get to choose, or like if the women have a male part, do they just have to remove it, or can they choose to be a male? 
Yes, yeah, so again, this is a medical uh, discussion to ha for, the, for the patient to have with the doctor and for the parents also to be involved. That because sometimes, like I said, there's discernible situation, there's indiscernible. Discernible means it's very clear that there's this more male than female or more female than male. In some cases, it's 50-50. It's and so it becomes tricky. So each case is very special, but it's a private matter that the person needs to decide along with the parents and with the doctor. But uh, yeah, once they decide, then khalas, they, they decide to proceed with that gender, you know, just to function in society. And remember, like I always give the example of uh, two islands. Imagine there's an island where there's all LGBTQ people, okay? All homosexuals. And then you have another island where there's all heterosexuals or normal because Allah created us in pairs, right? Azwajan. What does pair mean? Male and female, right? Yes? That's how families will be set up. You cannot have babies in homosexuality. You guys know this? Have you studied this yet? In biology? You cannot. Biologically, it's impossible. Okay? So you have two islands. You have a homosexual island and you have a heterosexual island. After 10-20 years, which island do you think will prosper more and function normally? Of course, this is common sense, right? Um, I've spoken to many peers of mine in the psychology field who are, you know, they are psychoanalysts, they are psycho, uh, psychological doctors and, and psychotherapists. People who choose to live a life of the LGBTQ lifestyle, they have a lot of mental health issues. Don't, th don't think that they're happy. Extremely miserable, depressed, anxious, always confused, lonely, something's always missing. So maybe you will see in the social media posts and in the movies and on Netflix and YouTube, you'll see them happy and talking so lively. But deep down inside, they are going through hell. Because they are violated, first of all, they chose, chose a lifestyle that's in, in violation of Allah's laws, which we'll see now. And, and secondly, because they have no guidance. Human beings without guidance become ضالين, lost, right? ضالين. That's why in Surah Al-Fatiha we say, اِهْدِنَ الصَّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Because we need Allah's guidance. صَرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلِمْ The path of those who were blessed before you. غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ Not the path of those who were angered upon. وَلَا الضَّالِينَ Nor those who are lost. So without guidance, you're going to be angered upon, and you're going to be lost. And so we have to be grateful that we have guidance, because human beings need guidance from up above. We cannot figure things out for ourselves. Because shaitan will trick us. Our nest will trick us. So we need a higher authority to tell us, this is what works, this is, not, this is what won't work. You can try from now till 100 years ahead, it will not work. And so for those two islands, example, the, the first island, they will have mental health issues, they will not have babies, they will, the society will not live beyond a certain uh, lifetime, right? After 100 years, what's going to happen? It will become extinct. Why? Because all those people who are living at that time, they cannot have babies, and so when they die, there's no more legacy. There's no more continuity of life. That's not normal. For societies to, to live normally, you have to have continuity of life. That, and that can only happen through a heterosexual relationship 
And of course for us that's not enough. We also need another layer above that. It's not enough just for, those, for that island to prosper. There has to be, of course, heterosexuality, which means you have relations with the opposite gender. But on top of that, we have the law of marriage. You cannot say, khalas, yalla, everyone's sleeping with the other, and, and we, don't have no, we have no law and order. Right? We have restrictions. Who you are allowed to marry, who you are not. You know? Who you are allowed to have relations with and not. So that's where, that's where this topic comes in. So, one thing you have to understand. When Allah talks about fahisha, there's really four things that we're, are being talked about. Premarital sexual relations that are haram, like boyfriend and girlfriend, okay, not married. Premarital means before marriage. And then the second one is extramarital, which means you are married but you're having affairs. You're cheating on your husband or you're cheating on your wife. Okay? In, in, the, in the sharia, which one is a bigger crime? Who knows? What, ex, premarital or extramarital? extramarital? Yes. What's the punishment for extramarital? Stoning to death, exactly. And, and for premarital, what's the punishment? 100 lashes. Yes, 100 lashes. Okay. Now, this used to be applied when there was Sharia law. Can we apply that in our homes today, just like that? No. No, because again, we have law and order. We have a government. We have um, a system in place that, that has to take care of the law. We cannot take the law in our hands. Okay. And so... Those are the first two, and then there's two more. Same gender sexual practice. That, that also falls under fahisha. Okay, male-male, female-female. That also, engaging on those sexual practices is also considered fahisha. And then you have also self-satisfaction. This is also comes under fahisha, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, praises the mu'mineen who guard their private parts. And the ulama are kind of, they have a consensus that this is referring to sexual or personal sexual gratification. Where there is no partner involved. And this is also another important topic to talk about. And it comes under fahisha. Because you are exposing, because you probably, because of what things you are seeing or what things you are exposed to, you are satisfying yourself. So all these four, premarital, extramarital, same, same, uh, same gender, attraction and, not attraction, sorry, practices. Very important to distinguish. Having sexual practices before marriage, cheating on your husband and wife, sexual practices with the same gender and sexual practices with yourself. These are all con- considered what? Fahishas. Whenever you come across the word fahisha in the Quran, you have to remind yourself of this. And Allah says in Surah Al-Nazi'at, وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ وَنَهَا النَّفْسَ عَنِ الْهَوَى فَإِنَّ الْجَنَّةَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى So this is where the jihad al-nafs comes in, right? You have this attraction to the opposite gender. Is that normal or no? It is normal. Okay, is it haram to have attraction to the opposite gender? Why not? No, having the attraction, we're talking now. Is it haram to have the attraction towards the opposite gender? Yes. No. How many of you think yes? 
One of you, I heard one of you say yes. Okay, so there's two here. How many of you think, no, it's not haram to have attraction towards the opposite gender? And there's people who are confused. They have like no response. So You don't understand the question? You as a guy, is it haram for you to have an attraction to a girl? Yes, no, maybe. So the answer is, no, it's not haram because it is natural. It's a natural feeling. Who put that feeling inside of you? It's built inside of you. And it's actually a healthy, it's a healthy thing to have. If you don't have it, then talk to your parents. Go see a doctor or something. <laughs> There's something wrong, okay? So that feeling is normal, it's natural, okay? But acting upon it, now that's where the law comes. Yes, I have that attraction, but can I act upon it? Yes, if you get married, right? That's, the, that's the, your way out. And there was a young boy who went to the Prophet ﷺ once and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I, I, can't, I can't hold my urge. I want to uh, satisfy this urge. I want to, you know, uh, like I have this, my attraction is building up. It's like this fire inside of me. And the Prophet ﷺ told him, can you get married? Are you in the age to get married? Do you have the capability to get married? Do you have uh, enough resources, money, whatever, house? He said no. And the Prophet told him, then fast. Because fasting can help you control that desire and temptation. Until you get to the age where you are capable in terms of financially, and you, you're, you have enough space in your house to have a wife, and you of course have gained, you're reached puberty and you can actually get married legally, then, yeah, you can get married and then you can satisfy yourself from morning till night. Yeah. No problem. According to the laws and regulations of uh, the engagement of, of marriage. So, when it comes to fahisha, there's four types of uh, people. Okay, the first one, the most pra praiseworthy one is this, this group here, which is group number one, who have that desire, but what do they do? They strive against their desire and they don't fall into either premarital, extramarital, same sex, or a self satisfaction in terms of action. Okay? And you, so you struggle and you strive against your temptation. The second category are the weak ones. So the first category are strong ones who are able to stop, hold themselves. The second category are the weak ones. What does it mean, weak ones? They have this urge. And every now and then they make a mistake. They fall into that. But then they feel guilty. And then they, you know, say sorry they, to Allah. They do make tawbah, they make istighfar, and they realize that they're wrong, and they realize that they're weak in front of their desires and temptations. So it's like an addiction. You know, they can't, they're weak in front of their addiction. But they still feel bad. They have this feeling of, Oh Allah, I, I did wrong. Please forgive me. And they constantly make dua. Ya Allah, remove this from my heart. Ya Allah, remove this shahwa, this, this addiction from my heart. I know what I'm doing is wrong. I acknowledge that I'm sinful. But Ya Allah, forgive me. And does Allah forgive these people? What do you think? Yes. Does Allah love them? Yes. Of course. 100%. And, and by the way, the majority of people fall in this category. The majority of us are weak. Okay? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who are constantly repenting. Yes or no? 
So yes, you try your best to strive against your nafs, but when you become weak, you fall into that mistake. Fine, it's like falling off a bike. You get back on the bike and you continue. You don't, because many people in this category, unfortunately, I've come across many cases who come to me for help. Who are in this category, they, they, are, they love Allah, they love the deen, they try to be practicing Muslim, but they have these addictions and they keep falling. They make tawbah and they fall into the addiction. They make tawbah, they make mistakes again. And they come to me depressed. They feel like they are hypocrites. They feel like they are doing something extremely bad and that Allah will never forgive them and Allah is angry with them. Is that the right way of thinking? No. no. Okay. When you make tawbah and istighfar, you have to have trust and hope that Allah will forgive you. Have good faith in Allah. This is called husn al-dhan billah. Allah is merciful. He is rahman He is rahim He is al-ghafoor. He is al-afu. He is al-tawwab. All these names remind us that Allah is ever forgiving, ever merciful, ever compassionate. And who, who will try to do wiswas in your heart that, you know what, you are so bad. You are such a hypocrite. Allah, Allah will never forgive you. You're trying to play games with Allah. Who's going to put that wiswas in your mind? Shaitan. Don't listen to him. Okay? Because Allah will forgive you all your sins if you keep uh, sinning and making repentance and sinning and repentance. Of course, if you have that intention that you want, one day you want to let go of this. Okay? And who will remove this from your heart? Can you, do, can you do it with your own efforts? No. Who will remove it? Allah. Only Allah can remove it. Okay? And then, so the first category were people who are striving against their nafs. They have these desires and attraction, but they're not acting upon it. Second category, they have these desires and they're trying their best not to fall into it, but sometimes they do, sometimes they do tawbah. They fall into it, they do tawbah. They're stuck. The third category is the dangerous category. This is the category where they have those attraction and they act upon it and they stop feeling bad about it. And they start believing that it's okay. And there's nothing wrong with it. Is this dangerous? Why? Because now you are not feeling guilty about your sin. Now you think it's normal. Now you're normalizing a sin. And so some ulama say that these people, they, it's very dangerous because now you can go out of the fold of Islam. You can actually, because you are now denying one of the laws of Allah. When, you, when Allah says something is haram, fahisha is haram, and you say, you know what, no, it's okay, it's not haram, it's not that haram, then are you trying to come up with your own deen? Yeah, so you can actually leave Islam by, by having this thought. This is very, very dangerous. Okay? And then the fourth thought is, of course, this is now where it becomes uh, even more seriously haram, right? This is where not only do you have that attraction, you're acting upon it, you feel that it's okay, and you are now becoming actively promoting this idea. You become an activist. And you start talk, giving talks about it and making videos about it. Now this is a big, big, bigger haram, okay? Because now you are uh, opening the doors of fitna in society. So um, this in our part of the world, alhamdulillah, is not that common, right? But online you do get exposed to it. In the West it is an issue. And like we said, this is something that at the government level we respect and we 
you know, as citizens of this country, we respect that there is law and order and we don't take law in our hands. But because we're a Muslim country, we are blessed with uh, having some level of protection in this, in this area. Whereas in the West, it's pretty much open for activism for anything. You can be an activist for anything. So, so is it clear, these four types? Yes? Shall we move on? The story of Lut. We cannot finish this talk without talking about the story of Lut alayhi salam. Because uh, his nation was one of the nations that were destroyed. Yes or no? Yeah? And we all know this from the Qur'an. And there are other nations who were destroyed. What are the other nations that were destroyed in the Qur'an? The nation of Ad, uh, nation of Hud, Ad, yes? Nuh alayhi salam's people were destroyed, yes? Thamud, yes? Salih's people, Thamud, and? Madian, Shu'ib's people, yes? So each of them has some sort of crime that they were destroyed for. And in their destruction was a... What's the point of the destruction? And why did Allah mention it in the Qur'an? Because in it is a lesson for... Who? For us. When we read about their destruction, then we learn from the mistakes of the people of the past. Okay? So why does Allah mention to us the stories of the people of the past and why they were destroyed? Because it's a lesson for us today. Okay? So the people of Lut, very important for us to read the ayah first. Let's read the ayat. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajim. وَلُوطًا إِذْ قَالَ لِقَوْمِهِ أَتَأْتُونَ الْفَاحِشَةَ مَا سَبَقَكُمْ بِهَا مِنْ أَحَدٍ مِنَ الْعَالَمِينَ إِنَّكُمْ لَتَأْتُونَ الرِّجَالَ شَهْوَةً مِنْ دُونِ النِّسَاءِ بَلْ أَنْتُمْ قَوْمٌ مُسْرِفُونَ وَمَا كَانَ جَوَابَ قَوْمِهِ إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا أَخْرِجُوهُمْ مِنْ قَرْيَتِكُمْ إِنَّهُمْ أُنَاسٌ يَتَطَهَّرُونَ فَأَنْجَيْنَاهُ وَأَهْلَهُ إِلَّا امْرَأَتَهُ كَانَتْ مِنَ الْغَابِرِينَ وَأَمْطَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ مَطَرًا فَانْظُرْ كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الْمُجْرِمِينَ So they say this, this uh, people, they were, they're known as Sodom and Gomorrah also. And they were uh, committing uh, homosexuality, mainly men with men. And uh, even Lut salam's wife was destroyed in this act. Okay? So Allah's law and order is, is clear. You know, it doesn't matter who, who you are, it applies to everybody equally. Now, in the, in the very beginning, Allah tells us that Lut would always address his people as my people. Qawmi. It's very important, that language is very important. Why did he keep saying my nation, my people? What's the difference? He could have said, hey people. But he says, my people, qawmi. Because? Very good. So number one, he was a prophet and his message was to address his people. And of course, when, you, when you're addressing people, you have to have a special bond with them, right? But on a deeper level also, qawmi means my people, which means that he wasn't Excluding himself from the society. These are his people. So did he have care for them? Did he have compassion for them? Did he love them? This goes back to our first slide, right? Is that we cannot be extremists. We cannot say, guys, do whatever you want. Enjoy, have a, have a blast. You are free to do what you want. And we can't say, you need to be destroyed. Khalas. Lut was given a time frame to show his mercy, respect, compassion, and honor them. And he would address them as my people. 
okay? Because unfortunately, like some, some parents, when their children suffer through this uh, disease or this trial, they start disassociating themselves from the children. Or sometimes in your school, maybe you have certain individuals who have this problem and you start excluding them, right? But what they need is respect, honor, and care, and support, like we said in the beginning, okay? Very important. So he would address them as my people, and he would also addressing what? The feeling and the attraction they had, or the action they were doing? What do you think? Feeling or action? How many of you think feeling? How many think action? Yes, so like we said, is the feeling haram? Even, even remember the four categories, right? Feeling towards opposite gender, whether it's before marriage or after marriage, or like, like during marriage, cheating on someone. Whether that feeling is same gender, whether that feeling is just self-satisfaction that you have. This, all these categories, that feeling itself is not haram. It's something that's, at this stage, not in your control. When it comes to same-sex attraction, that feeling today is not in your control. But can you work on improving that and, and uh, using medication and therapy? Can you improve that? Yes. And of course, tawbah and istighfar and dua and all of that. But the feeling is not haram. What is haram is acting upon that feeling by engaging in a sexual practice with a partner. Is this, is this clear? So what was Lut addressing? The action or the feeling? The action. What haram is the action. So if these people had stopped, they kept the feeling but they stopped doing the action, they would not have been destroyed. And you know, Lut would even offer them his, his own daughters, but they would, they would want men. And, and Lut his people, it's very interesting in this ayah, he says that, إِنَّهُمْ أُنَاسٌ يَتَطَهَّرُونَ the, the people of Lut were accusing Lut of being people who want to purify themselves. Can you imagine this? So their, their, their thinking was very corrupted. Here is Lut giving them a message of purity. But they're making fun of this purity. They're saying, these guys, they want to be pure. Like when I, give, when I offer you a drink of water, would you want a, 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 a nice, clear, pure water or water that's filled with dust and... Also, clear water pure. we as human beings naturally your fitrah is inclined towards purity or filth purity. of course we like things that are like would you would you take this bottle that's already open or we take a sealed bottle yes. why sealed bottle it's, it's more pure it's more pure okay we like purity we like purity in our food we like purity would you wear dirty clothes in the morning to come here that's why we take shower that's why we make wudu our in fact, like our book, books of fiqh start with Babut Tahara, the door of purity. Why? Because it's so important for us, purity, cleanliness. And here what we're learning is that people of Qawm Lut, they were not pure. They actually were disturbed with purity. They wanted to be impure. And, and uh, homosexual practice especially when it comes to male male and male it is extremely impure because um, I mean just the, the organs involved and uh, 
the options are, I mean, you know, they're, they're very, very impure. You know? There are certain organs that we are, that the male and the female have been given for us to practice that sexual act in the right channel, in a pure way, in, a, in the pure channel. Not in the disgusting channel which is used for waste only. Okay, I'm trying to use respectful words, but do you guys get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yes? So just the act itself is, logically speaking, it's, it's disgusting. It is, you're using a channel that is very, very impure and, and, and used for waste. You know? And by the way, that channel, the, yani what I'm referring to is the anal sex channel. This is haram for both heterosexual and homosexual acts. Even husband and wife cannot do that. Let alone man and man. Man and woman, if they're married, they cannot do that. Okay? That's one restriction. Because that, uh, that, that part of the human body is used only for waste. Okay? So, so they transgressed, they, they made fun, they ridiculed, and they refused to listen to the... They refused to purify themselves. Okay? And so, what was the destruction? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that there was three layers of destruction. Okay? Most people think that there was stone, stone rain that came down on them and they were destroyed, right? But there's actually three stages. The first stage was a sayha. What is a sayha? A loud cry, okay, a loud sound, they were all destroyed. And then Allah says that He raised this nation up and flipped them upside down. And they were destroyed. And then the third layer of destruction was the rain coming down. So it happened in three stages. Okay. Now, which one of the stages is uh, the least painful? The first one, the loud cry. Yeah, exactly. So Allah eliminated them with the least amount of pain. And then the raising of the nation and flipping them upside down and rainfall, that was... Because they were already dead. They were already dead with what? The loud cry. Yes or no? But then the other two were there for us, for the, for the viewers of course, and for us as listeners of the Qur'an to take a lesson from this. And that's why the, the yani ulama say the stoning of... Uh, Stoning to death that's applied to the extramarital affairs as a, as a punishment. Because stoning of the death is like rain stones coming down. So there's this uh, commonality there. So what are some of the do's and don'ts? Let's, let's end with this. If you have sexual attraction in general, now we're not talk, just talking about homosexual attraction, we're talking about attraction in general. Okay, Because at this age, all of you, the audience here are, are I'm guessing not in a marriage any, any of you married yet? no so you have to now do uh, you have to do jihad and nafs and these things will help you right so fasting whether it's Mondays and Thursdays or the white days of the Hijri month try to get convince your parents to get married early okay um, stay active and super busy yes No, so, 
So the question is, premarital affairs allowed with the intention of marriage? The, the answer is uh, no, it's not allowed. Which means you cannot be a husband, uh, you can't be a boyfriend, girlfriend for one year, two years with the intention of getting married. But can you get to know someone with the knowledge of your parents, with the intention of getting married and you are meeting in a uh, observed gathering that's safe where there is you know, someone elderly there to monitor and watch you and you're not alone in a room because when you're, you are with the opposite gender in the same room, then shaitan is your? The third, exactly. So in that sense, yes, it's allowed. If you're talking about getting to know another on a serious note for marriage with the parents being involved. The key word is what? With the parents being? Involved. If the parents are not invo- involved, then you are going down shaitan's track. That's the track of zina. That's the track of fornication and adultery. And, and Allah said about zina, don't go near it. Why didn't He say don't do it? He said don't go near it. Why? Because if you go near it, you'll eventually fall. Yes, if you take that one step, then eventually shaitan will give you the second and the third bait and the fourth bait and you will eventually fall for it. So guys, stay active. Be busy. Do voluntary work. Learn a new sport. Stop sitting at home and playing video games and watching Netflix and YouTube. That's going to destroy you. Because they will keep with their, with their uh, algorithms and stuff, they will keep pushing those images to you and it will stimulate your hormones and then you will end up doing something haram. Okay? You cannot beat uh, that attraction. You know? it's, it's, so you better avoid it by lowering your gaze. How do you lower your gaze? By getting busy with other things. And of course, maintain your worship, salah, Quran, dhikr, dua. In Ramadan is coming, great, great time to, for you to repent and to do tawbah. Beware of your interactions with uh, non-mahrams. Don't take it easily. Don't take it lightly. You know? You have to have that uh, sense that Allah made this restriction for us, for our benefit. Okay? That's why males pray in the front and females pray in the back. That's why you're allowed to remove your hijab in front of certain people and not. Why? The law is perfect, remember. Don't try to change the law. The law is what? It's perfect. The law is what? The law is perfect. Don't try to change it. Don't try to say, ah, oh, that law applied 1400 years ago, now it doesn't apply, things have changed. No. Certain things, yes, the law has some element of flexibility, but the principles of the law are perfect. You don't need to change them. And of course, lower your gaze, guys. When you see something, because you will see something, whether it's on the road or at the mall or at school or online, you will see things, but lower your gaze. And with that intention, make the intention that, Ya Allah, I'm lowering my gaze for your sake, Ya Allah. Okay? Because I want to keep my heart pure. Because guess what? If you keep seeing these things, these filthy things, then your heart will, there's a layer in your heart, a veil that will be placed in your heart called Rishawa, okay? that will blind you from receiving Allah's light and His nur and His guidance. Okay? When, you con- when you commit fahisha, guys, and you expose yourself to fahisha, whether through seeing things, through hearing things, talking about fahisha, or engaging in fahisha, all of this creates, it's called dhulmun nafs, it's violating your own right. And if you want, to, you want to receive guidance from Allah, you want to enjoy your salah, your Qur'an, your dua, 
your heart has to be purified. It can only be purified if you lower your gaze. Okay? And that's why in Ramadan, if you notice, like the first couple of weeks, you are training yourself to not just refrain yourself from food from, from uh, Fajr to Maghrib, but also from refraining your eyes from watching filth, refraining, refraining your ears from, from uh, listening to filth, and refraining, f- refraining your tongue from talking filthy language. When you do this, guess what happens in the last 10 nights of Ramadan? Now what has happened to your heart? gets purified and that's why you enjoy salah then in the last 10 nights you see Allah's through the through Ramadan is teaching us how to work with our heart how to treat our heart you have to make sure as much as you can throughout the entire year to keep your heart purified and lowering your gaze is the number one way of course beware of all sorts of filthy addictions online this industry this pornography industry is a billion dollar industry why because it's so addictive, it's so... Uh, once you get trapped in that, very difficult to come out. So lower your gaze. Don't get fooled into that. Don't let your friends trick you into that. And have good friends, guys. Another piece of advice. Choose decent friends. Because you will be raised with those who you hang out with. You are the sum of the five people you most commonly hang out with. So choose your friend wisely. Have sohba saliha. Okay? Um, be responsible about that. And choose your entertainment responsibly. I'm not saying don't entertain yourself. Entertainment is not haram. But excessive entertainment is problematic. And of course, fahisha related entertainment is haram. You cannot, you cannot see things that are fahisha. Okay? So use entertainment wisely. Even the video games you play, make sure there's no fahisha. Some video games have fahisha in the game itself. Right? Yes, question. Yeah, so you, So there is sometimes you just see the character of the female in the video game, the way she's dressed. Sometimes yes, you have a question there. Can you repeat again louder? You are stuck at home the whole day? What about school? Do you go to school? Why? Ah, you're, you're, what are you doing now? Are you working or studying? Okay, we'll, we'll talk later, but inshallah you need to engage with society. Yeah, We can talk about this, but uh, a Muslim is someone who engages with society. You can't sit at home. Unless of course you have a disability or issue, then we can talk about it. But we need to be engaging in society. We're not passive people. Okay, uh, Moving on. Watch out what kind of music you listen to. Or whatever is going in your ears. Watch what's going in your ears. Watch what you're seeing, gaming, like we said, social media, guys. Watch out, because especially Snapchat and... Oh my God, how many of you have Snapchat and TikTok? Guys, uninstall these two. Really, I'm not kidding, Yanni. You want, you want to stay away from Fasha? Uninstall them. What are you doing? What are, you, are you kidding yourselves? Yanni, what do you expect? You expose yourself to these uh, apps. I mean, honestly, life goes on without TikTok and uh, Snapchat. These, you cannot beat those algorithms. The way they push filth to you, it is very, very difficult to avoid. Yes. 
Instagram to some extent is yes, I would say okay, but again, yani, the less social media, the better your, the more purer your life is. Okay, if you, if you don't even have a smartphone, that's the purest form. Okay, but again, I want to be realistic also. But sna- specifically Snapchat and TikTok and this YouTube uh, shorts and oh my God, be careful guys, because they will push junk to you all day long, okay? And of course, use online tools like ad blockers and you can install certain antivirus, anti-whatever. There's a lot of tools out there to help you uh, from being attacked with this. And lastly, I have a message for those who are tested with this. The message for those who are tested, Allah loves you. Just because you're tested, don't think that Allah doesn't love you. There is a wisdom behind your test. Even if you fall into sin, make tawbah, make istighfar, repent regularly, make dua, and be truthful to Allah. Try to maintain your ibadah and prayers. Don't let shaitan trick you into saying that you are evil, that you are... No, Allah loves you. Even if you are inflicted with this test. Don't worry about how others view you. They will make fun of you. They will bully you. Be patient. Make dua. And please talk to your parents. If you're inflicted with this, talk to your parents. Seek help. Seek therapy. Seek some sort of medical help because there are solutions out there. And uh, of course, make dua sincerely that Allah helps you and inshallah He will make it easy. And of course, Another warning for you, don't announce it, don't proudly you know, expose this and justify it or promote it anyway, because that's, that's a serious crime. And don't, don't think it's okay for you to act upon it. The attraction is fine, acting upon it is haram, you cannot justify that. Okay. And uh, beware of joining support, support groups and activist groups that will try to pull you for their hidden agendas. Don't, don't be that uh, victim. Be smarter than that. And then of course a message to the rest who are not inflicted with this but you are. You have to have the role of being compassionate with them. Being considerate. Don't insult them or bully them or make fun of them. Because in Surah Hujrat Allah tells us don't make fun of others. Perhaps they are better than you. Just try to put yourself in their shoes. What if you were tested with this? What if your sibling, your brother or sister was tested with this? Okay, so yani, don't make fun and don't ridicule. Support them in whatever way you can. And have empathy uh, because a Muslim is empathetic. Okay, We have to put ourselves in their shoes if we want to have this compassion. So with that I conclude inshallah this talk. I hope it was beneficial for all of you. بارك الله لي ولكم في القرآن العظيم ونفعني وإياكم بما فيه من الآيات والذكر الحكيم أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم سبحانك الله وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك نتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته